So last night, Jake was speaking about this kind of circular movement that we sometimes see in ourselves of wanting something in the kind of that process that happens, wanting, wanting, getting, not quite what we thought, and that disappearing, and then wanting something else. And of course, the same thing, the same movement happens with things that we don't want, also. <coughs> wanting to get rid of something, and then that's not there. That's not quite what we thought. And I was just thinking about this. I don't think anyone has come with this yet in this retreat, but often on retreat, people um, occasionally struggle with pain. And um, sometimes <laughs> there's this thing that they come after a few days and say, you know, you know that pain that I was struggling with and really wanted to go? Um, it's gone now, but uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> You know, suddenly the pain isn't there, but I'm 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 quite kind of restless or lost. You know, and so then we suddenly realise in the absence that actually, even that pain that we didn't want wasn't the problem. Yeah, and may have actually had some something in it that was also useful at the time, which we didn't notice. So it's really interesting to to look at these cycles and to, to see what we can learn and what can we see deeply. And when it comes to this very human, very strong pattern of pushing away what we don't want and trying to get or trying to hold on, trying to keep what we do want, we can keep asking the question, of, you know, where is the happiness and where is the suffering? Now, where is the happiness and where is the suffering? It's a really important question. It's not, um, it's not, it's not kind of a, meant to, to get us all grim and serious and unhappy, but actually to, to really liberate us. Now, where is the suffering? Where is the happiness? And there was um, an experiment in the U.S. a few years ago, which I think is, is, is really um, fascinating. Um, so they, they wanted to, to see where, where the happiness was. This was part of the experiment. And so they sent a bunch of people out to do something that made them happy, which is to go shopping. And um, they sent them out to a shopping mall. And they put all these sensors on their skin. I, I can't remember what exactly they were measuring, but they were measuring something um, on the skin which showed the degree of, of, of well-being or happiness that the person was experiencing. And what they found was really interesting. The peak, the peak, when this peak, whatever that the um, thing was that they were measuring of happiness, it peaked not at the moment when they saw what they were going to buy, not at the moment when they picked it up, not in the moment that they walked out of the shop with it in the shopping bag. The peak moment was when they were standing at the checkout with the cashier, 
and they were handing over the plastic, the, the credit card, the debit card, to pay for it. That was the peak moment. And when they analyzed this, they said, so the peak moment for us is not is when we know we're about to get what we want. Yeah? So I'm paying for it, it's there, it's it's mine, but I haven't got it yet. And as soon as I get it, so as soon as the as the checkout person, the cashier, hands over the bag of the thing, the happiness starts going down. <laughs> this it's brilliant. And of course, this is what the Buddha said two thousand six hundred years ago. It's exactly what the teachings are saying. And you know, so yeah, we don't need the scientific proof, but it's great to get it. <laughs> it's great to have it. So it peaks. Well, we know we're going to get it, and when we actually have it, it starts declining. That downward part of the, of the circle. So what's going on there? Here's what's going on. This is the, the, the Buddhist explanation, the Dharma explanation. So we habitually, as humans, we attribute our happiness to getting whatever that is. You have the yellow coat, lunch, the end of the retreat, you know, whatever it is, we attribute the happiness to that. That's when the happiness is going to happen. When we start to look at our experience more and more in detail, more and more deeply, which is something that we can do more and more on retreat, this is what the conditions are really helpful for, we see that the well-being or the happiness that we experience is not to do with the external event or object. It's actually the release of the clinging. And I'll say more about it. It's the release of the clinging when we know we're going to get that thing which feels good. So if we if we get, take the example of, of shopping, you know, so you you know, you might not know this experience at all. In a shopping mall you see something you want, you know, you do the dithering, should I shouldn't I, do I need it or not, is it ethical, whatever. Um, what's my you know partner gonna say? You know, if I could go with whatever, you know, all that goes on, you decide to get it, you pick it up, you know, you might still be unsure as you walk over, um, and, or, you know, you're absolutely sure, and it's like, I want it, I want it, I want it, and that builds up, you know, that builds up and it intensifies. It does this, you know, tension on some level, even if it's pleasant. And intensification and a narrowing down of the being. And in that moment when we've handed it over, they've rung it up, we've now handing over the money to pay for it, and it's ours, there's a relief of that intensification and contraction and tension in the being. That's the relief. Come back down. It's the release of the clinging that feels good. And that's why the happiness is not in the object. You know, and of course we all know this so well from our own experience, and yet, you know, we keep going around. I love that image of the circle, you know, it's like a, sometimes the image is used with like a hamster running around and a wheel, you know, and that kind of us. And we keep going down that loop because we're human. And this kind of happiness, which 
comes, you know, from the relief of the clinging or, you know, the happiness that's attributed to a thing is very different from that, you know, unselfish joy that we were exploring yesterday. Yeah, and opening to the lovely and the beautiful. It's a very different quality and a real encouragement, encouragement for you to explore that for yourself, you know, both in reflection and today as you explore different ways of, of feeling joy, feeling happiness. So if you might, you might remember, we are speaking about a sense of joy yesterday that actually opens us up. Yeah, that opens up the being that is easeful, as opposed to the happiness that is contracted around getting something or getting rid of something. Very, very different quality between the two. So the wonderful thing about practice is that we get the tools to address this directly. You know, we get the tools that can support us to get off that wheel. Yeah. Get the tools to, to stop that, to get off, even if it's just for moments. And we were, we've been talking about these, but I want to highlight, highlight them today. So the first kind of approach that helps us get off is, is to observe, is to watch it. As you know, Jake was speaking about um, so beautifully and eloquently last night. Yeah. I told him later it was a great Dharma stand-up. Which is, you know, as high as you can get on the rating of Dharma talks as far as I'm concerned. Wonderful when, when humor and depth come together in that way. And so, you know, watching the process, seeing it unfolding, can really help us, if we watch it again and again, can really help us unhook. You know, because things begin to lose their, their appeal. You know, we begin from our own experience to see this is not where the happiness is. Of course, you know, we can still enjoy things, we still enjoy a good meal. We still enjoy, you know, a nice new piece of clothing or whatever. You know, it's not that we need to all become extreme renunciates. You can, if you want to. It's not bad. We don't. It's not about losing the enjoyment of things. But we begin to see that the, the lasting happiness is not anything, and that really, really helps us loosen up, loosen up, and not have that expectation. It also supports us to let go. You know, when we see that we're caught up in something like that, and, and we have that experience, and suddenly we see clearly, oh, I'm really expecting this, you know, this job, this relationship, this event, to provide me lasting happiness. And, and that's, you know, that's not fair on the event, and it's not fair on myself. So can I just let go of some of that expectation and kind of open up to what can happen? And still enjoy what's enjoyable, but without putting that weight on it. So watching this, seeing this with humor, with space as much as possible, can really support us to, to let go. So that's one approach of, of, of being present with, of observing, of looking. 
we can also have um, what we may see as a more direct or more um, active approach to this, which is kind of what I'd like to go into more today, which is learning to recognize when the clinging is there and then going directly to that, going directly to the clinging and loosening that up, relaxing that up, which is possible to do. And you might be asking yourself, how? <coughs> you know, how do we do that? So the first um, step in this is to kind of take a step back and, and watch our human experience and see how everything in our experience, everything in our experience has a certain tone to it, which will inevitably fall into one of three categories. And it'll either be pleasant unpleasant, or neither, so not strongly pleasant nor unpleasant, yeah, everything, and sometimes I say this and afterwards people say to me, oh, you know, that really kind of, sounds really um, depressing, <laughs> it takes, it takes it, it, the kind of interest out of life, and I, I kind of think, okay, look more, does it, it doesn't mean that everything is the same. This means that in every human experience there will be this tone, usually on a very subtle level. This is pleasant, this is unpleasant. This is neither one or the other. It's kind of neutral. And because this is subtle and not conscious, we're not aware of it. We're not aware of it. So we miss that initial tone of things. And what inevitably happens is then the reactivity, the habitual reactivity steps in. So the, the, the pleasant will become, um, you know, will feel the pull towards it. You know, so from, from pleasant it will come, I want it. And from I want it, it will become, I need it. And from I need it, it will become, I absolutely must have this, my happiness and the well-being of all beings. <laughs> it's completely reliant on me getting this. Yeah. And that, you know, that's what happens in our minds. And it's great to watch it with humor because it is funny. It also leads to an incredible amount of suffering yeah, for ourselves and others. So, you know, really worth watching. And the unpleasant, you know, will lead to um, pushing away. You know, I don't want this. I can't bear it. You know, it's me or it. You know, it's kind of like, which again leads to a lot of a lot of suffering for ourselves. And the neutral will, will usually lead to, to some form of zoning out. Yeah, boredom, spacing out, um, which very quickly becomes for most of us unpleasant. And so there'll be aversion um, to that as well. So through the kind of receptivity and openness and welcoming attitude that we're cultivating here, we're becoming more sensitive to this happening. Becoming more sensitive to this happening. And we're particularly interested in the fact that all of these will manifest in a form of contraction. Yeah, the, the being pulled towards will be a contraction. The pushing away will be a contraction. The zoning out will be a contraction of kind of dulling down <coughs> into non-interest. So 
there will always be some form of contraction if there's a pull or a push. And that contraction is something we can access a lot through the body, a lot through the body, there'll be some form of contraction in the body, um, a lot through um, awareness, there'll be some form of contraction in, you know, what we might sometimes call the energy body, we haven't spoken about much here, um, awareness, the mind, we'll feel some form of, contra- of shrinking down, contraction, tension. And the dukkha, the suffering, is in that contraction. It's completely bound up with that. It's completely mutually dependent. So where there's contraction, there's dukkha. And there's clinging. And when there's clinging, there's contraction, and there's dukkha. You can play around with it in all the different ways. The three always come together. Always come together. So... This may, this may seem like, kind of really, again, quite depressing news. <laughs> it's actually kind of the best news I've ever heard myself. Because we can do something about it. We can do something about it. And what we can do is we can learn to notice the contraction, <coughs> and we can learn to relax it. We can notice it, and we can relax it. And that releases the intensity of the dukkha, of the suffering, opens up the space, gives us so many more options to respond to a situation beyond that very, very strong patterned habit tendency of pushing away or trying to get something. And when we we talk about this, of course, it's not just about um, material objects. Yeah, it's how we relate to thoughts, to emotions, to people, to things. It's kind of all pervasive in our experience. So, what do we do when we notice contraction in the being? And how do we notice it? So sometimes um, we might notice that there is a certain pattern of thinking going on, you know, like going into the future tomorrow when the retreat ends. You know, this will happen, and whatever. So we notice the thinking, and then we don't try to directly um, interact with the thinking. We come back into the body, and we check. Is there a sense of contraction or tension somewhere in the body? Or is there a, a sense of contraction or tension somewhere in the mind or in awareness? If there is... Even though I've just said that this is the cause of dukkha, first thing we do is we welcome it. Yeah, the first thing we do is we welcome it. So we don't try to get rid of it, push it away, but we actually take a little bit of time to welcome, to open, and to bring that gentle interest. To that experience, and you know, sometimes you know, can even ask like, "What are you? Yeah, what are you? Who are you? You know, what is this? You know, really interested. Really interested. 
then within that space that isn't rejecting, isn't trying to get rid of, within that space, we relax or ease the tension as much as possible. And you might again be asking how. I'm going to say a little bit more about that. So one way is to um, directly relax tension in the body. So it might be that specific area of contraction that you feel, or it might be just going through the body and relaxing from the top of the head down through the body, relaxing, relaxing, relaxing. Again, not doing that in a way that's pushing away the tension, but just inviting space, inviting relaxation, inviting ease. And we don't have the expectation that the experience will shift completely. Yeah, we're just a little bit more ease, a little bit less contraction. And we're watching what's happening, we're interested in what's happening. I read somewhere recently um, that the way um, I find this really interesting about the body-mind connection, so the way the drug value works, you know, which people get to, to, to help them sleep and to help them uh, relax, is that it's actually a muscle relaxant. Yeah. And so it's, the mind cannot hold tension if the body's relaxed. It's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, it kind of again shows how this how this can work. So we're we're relaxing the body as much as we can. That's that's one one thing that we can do. A second approach um, comes from um, American teacher Joseph Goldstein, and he speaks about relaxing the heart. And so he speaks about this, you know, particularly around you know any time we notice the heart closing some kind of aversion, some kind of contraction. And we just kind of bring in the question, okay, what, how can I relax the heart now? What would it mean to relax the heart? And sometimes both of these can mean, can feel just like, a little bit just like sitting back. You know, because we're tensing up. Just sitting back a little bit into the body, into the space. Relaxing a little bit, opening a little bit. How can we do this? And sometimes just that phrase, relax the heart. Relax the heart. Can really support. A third way that can support us to to ease the tension, to relax the tension, is um, opening out the awareness, expanding the awareness, which um, we were playing with a little bit two days ago. Yeah, speaking about that very wide awareness of going into the whole body and then a little bit beyond the body. So again, when we do that, that also can just it just opens up the perspective, opens up the space. And even if there's a contraction or a tension somewhere, that is just one thing that's going on in a bigger space. And we can rest back into that larger awareness. So it's not just the clinging. That's happening. Just the clinging. And in all of these, the relaxing of the body, relaxing the heart, stretching out, expanding out the awareness, we're exploring the effect that it has on that sense of, of tension and contraction. 
And this can really, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's deeply transformative. And I was just, just something from my own experience. I think just yesterday evening, um, you know, I had a relatively full day. And um, I was just um, noticing just before coming down for the sitting, before the talk, I was just noticing the sense of, of oh, I'm really tired, you know, and then it kind of, you know, I'm really tired and everything shrinks. I'm really tired, everything shrinks. And then just looking at that and relaxing that sense of the shrinking. And we can do that with, with, with the awareness, with the sense of getting small. And everything's fine, you know. Everything's fine. And then it might come again immediately. <laughs> oh, I'm really tired. Or you know, it's a lot of pain. Or Everything's fine. And that, you know, I've been talking about taking care of ourselves. That can be included in that. And to see how am I, how am I just kind of getting really small around something? And what happens if I relax with it? Is there more space? Not saying that you shouldn't have a nap. <laughs> Not at all. I'm a great fan of siestas. Having grown up in a Mediterranean culture. Um, you know, it's really not saying that, but just noticing in the moment when there's that, uh, I'm tired and, you know, it's a problem. <laughs> That's the thing that we're, we're not fighting the tiredness, we're just easing off on the sense of problematic. Easing off on the sense of problematic. So sometimes with this expansion of awareness, you know, we can really uh, play with that. We can really play with that. Like I just said, just in the sense of smallness and largeness. You know, maybe. Um, you know, you somehow find yourself at the, at the right at the end of the food queue, which sometimes feels on this retreat like it gets practically into the meditation hall. It can be so long, and you know, kind of like ah, oh, so long till I get to the food, and I wonder if there'll be any whatever you personally like salad left. That would be my worry. Um, by the time I get there. And then seeing what happens if I expand the awareness. Yeah. It's like that smallness of, you know, my food. And I expand the awareness and actually feel the cue. And it can be wonderful. And I just feel, feel that being part of that line. And that, you know, whether I get salad or not, it's not such a problem. Yeah. Not such a problem. So we can play with this. And... and it, it brings so much freedom, so much freedom. So as we do this, being interested in the process and being interested in what happens, you know, because there is the, the freedom in the moment, like what I just described about the, you know, with, with the tiredness or with being in the food queue, with the shrinking into them, then the freedom when we can just relax that and let go. There's no suffering anymore. There's no problem. Or at least it's decreased. So there's freedom in the moment, but there's also 
so much deep understanding that's available of the long term. You know, that can, you know, Jake was speaking about awakening last night. You know, take us very, very deep into understanding. So we're interested also in, in what does this tell us? You know, what can we learn from this process? You know, what can we learn? What is actually happening here? So what happens, you know, to the degree and the appearance of dukkha, of the suffering, as we do this? What happens to that? What happens to the sense of space? What happens to the sense of well-being? And we're interested in all of that as we practice to observe. What happens to the sense of me and I? We're really interested in that. And how are all of those related to each other? So liberating in the moment and then tremendous impact in the long term. If we can really pursue this, even just for a little while today, noticing the contraction, relaxing, body, heart, or opening the awareness, and seeing what happens to the experience, how does it change, what can we learn. So let's practice together, so feel free if you need to... um, Stretch anything, adjust the posture in any way. As we've been doing, settling into your posture. Grounding in the body. Exploring the balance of the uprightness and the ease and the relaxation.
and resting the awareness in the body or with the breath. Or with the metaphrases or sound, whatever practice feels most grounding and appropriate for you at this time. Take some a few minutes to just relax and gather into the practice, whichever practice you're doing. Collecting, gathering the awareness onto the practice. that whatever practice it is that you're using, prioritizing attitude of welcoming and of gentle interest in your experience. So even as distractions arise, welcoming, acknowledging, coming back to the breath, the body, sound, all the phrases. back to the meditation object that you're using.
whenever your attention is pulled somewhere, whether into thinking or a sound or body sensation, welcoming, bringing gentle interest, and then taking a few moments to see, is there any contraction, any clinging present? Do I feel a pull towards this? Do I feel any aversion? Trying to get away from? What does that feel like in the body? It's gently going through the process. if I bring in the intention to let go, to relax that contraction, that clinging. What happens if I just have that intention to let go? What happens if I relax the contraction in the body? What happens if I bring a welcoming, open attitude to that clinging, that contraction? Noticing if there's any change in the phenomena itself, in the sense of contraction. And then when you're ready, coming back to your primary object. feels juicy, if it feels interesting and there's quite a strong contraction or a contraction that keeps coming back, you can let yourself, allow yourself to stay with that, just relaxing the contraction again and again with a lot of gentleness, gentleness, a lot of lightness in the attitude. back to your meditation object, resting with that, and then noticing whenever there's distraction, whenever something pulls your attention, just noticing the contraction and the clinging in that, and exploring.
exploring how to relax and how to let go. mind is calm and collected, you might wish to just explore areas of contraction and of clinging in the body, in the mind. Finding those and seeing how can I relax this, what happens if I relax the body. if I open up awareness? What happens if I relax the heart? time to feel the contraction, feel the clinging, feel the dukkha before you bring the relaxation and getting to know it, cultivating the sensitivity. There's any sense of release and pleasantness, well-being that arises from the release. Allow yourself to also spend time with that. Meaning the qualities of it.
sense of openness or relief. You may notice that that too fades away and then there may be a contraction that arises around trying to hold on or wanting it back. So that too is a human movement of the mind. And we can bring that same welcoming attitude to that too. That same interest. And that same intention to let go, to let be, to relax. Relax the clinging, relax the contraction. if thoughts are arising, can we feel the contraction in the involvement with the thoughts? What happens if we relax that? That's possible without even noticing what the actual content of the thoughts is. body sensations, mind states, sound. Is there any clinging? Is there any contraction? 
as if I open out and relax the awareness. Relax the body. Relax the heart.
wondering if there's a sense of interest in, in practice, or maybe that you've already kind of experienced kind of some of that potential in it, then really feel free to um, explore it through the day. I would um, recommend doing it in one of two ways. So one is kind of the way we started off in the guided practice here, of still having uh, mostly a, a kind of calming or gathering practice of being with breath, body, sound, um, mental practice, and then just noticing with those contraction. Or if it felt beneficial for you to just notice the contraction and then relaxing that, um, to do that, um, but to do it only for maximum half the time, half the day. So either do half, half in sittings, or half the sittings doing that, sittings and walkings, and half the time um, doing other practices. Otherwise, it can get quite intense. So I kind of, I say, it's 50 percent samatha, fifty percent insight. It's a good balance for most of us. Um, the other thing to, to just say about this that um, for some of you, you may have experienced or you might experience if you carry on with this, that sometimes there's a sense of like, yeah, I can really feel the contraction and I'm relaxing and relaxing relaxing and nothing's happening. <laughs> it's kind of the, the intensity is staying the same. And so um, there can be a sense of oh, you know, this, this is rubbish. <laughs> this isn't working. I'm doing it wrong, or whatever your particular the way the groove, the groove of your mind is. Um, so just to say, to be interested in that, often, particularly, um, either if it's it's intense, so it might be a very intense physical pain, for example, or it's a very strong habit, you know, somewhere that the mind keeps going back to. Um, there may be levels of aversion there that we're not aware of. So we're actually doing the practice kind of like, I'm doing this to get rid of you. <laughs> yeah, it would be like this undercurrent that that's the message. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to relax around you, pain, so that you finally leave me alone. Um, or kind of be the, the, the undercurrent. And it's, it's really um, interesting to just look to see if that is partly what's going on. And again, with a very welcoming attitude, not, not judging that. Um, but just seeing that, that and as long as there will be, as long as there is that sense of aversion, then that's kind of playing a role in, in that dynamic. So the aversion there is a form of clinging, and it's actually affecting um, the experience. And also to say that obviously it doesn't mean that things go away. I hope that was clear. It's not that the pain is going to disappear necessarily. It might change. But there will be a different relationship to it without the clinging. <coughs> Yeah, and you can definitely uh, bring this into the walking and into different uh, times through the day. So like I said, the food queue is a wonderful um, opportunity. Um, you know, noticing, um, you know, when you're walking, you might be outside, you might be walking, suddenly you feel cold, for example. And it's like, oh, it's getting cold, I better go in and warm up or put a jacket on. If we can just, it's okay, let's just take a moment. You know, yeah, I will go in. You know, but let's just take a moment and feel what is happening around this. You know, maybe 
be taking and say, I'll just do a few more steps, or I'll just stand and feel. What does feeling cold feel like? Yeah. And what is the response, what is the reaction to it? What does that feel like? If I can relax that response, how's the feeling? How's the experience? So really start to be interested in this kind of subtle layer, more subtle layer of our experience. Um, you know, or that kind of sense of, okay, I've done my walking practice and now I'm going to have my cup of tea. Um, and, and that sense of like, okay, you know, there's that, might be that pull, cup of tea, cup of tea, cup of tea, cup of tea, we're rushing to where we left our cup of tea or to make it. Um, can we just also just stop for a moment and feel that? And then how does that actually affect the experience of having a cup of tea? What do we do? We're just, yeah, just playing, playing with all of that with as much interest as, as possible. <coughs> yeah. And we're still, um, in case it's not clear, really emphasizing the joy and the taking care. So we're continuing with all everything that we've been prioritizing through the day. Noticing, noticing all of this. And, um, and it can be also a question to, to drop in what happens with, the, you know, with, that, with that sense of the relief and the letting go of some degree of clinging. What does that make space for? So, yeah, thank you. Enjoy your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.